0: Hi guys, and welcome back to another True Crime and Makeup Time video. Today's case is insane. And I feel like we as people are conditioned to be afraid and wary of people who look threatening and scary, but how terrifying is it when a murderer is someone you would never expect? When this person has been in and out of your home, your personal space, the last person you would expect to harm you. That's probably how me, Quen Chong felt. She was an older lady living on her own, extremely generous, extremely friendly, until her friend did the unthinkable. Before we jump into the story, I really have been meaning to thank you guys for all your amazing comments and support on the last video. I really did not expect to have that many people, you know, like kind of have my back. It was it was overwhelming and to be honest, it's been a really, really tough week for me. Um, when I posted that video was when things kind of just went wild in my house. Um, Jay had a surgery scheduled for his tonsils to be removed on Monday, posted my video on Tuesday, Tuesday, he came home and he had insane complications from the surgery. He was admitted back into hospital. Like the moment, my video went live and, it was such a rough night for me, such a tough week, you know, being by myself with the two kids worrying about Jay and ugh, He's fine. Everything's good now. He just had to go back in and get his I guess tonsils re closed. That's not English. Um he had to get them like done again or like fixed, cauterized. And um yeah, you know, it happens to 5% of people and he had to be in that 5%. So he's fine now. He's still in hospital. Hopefully he's being released today and um, it's been wild. So just reading your comments whenever I had the time, I haven't had a chance to just sit down and reply to everyone, but it honestly just made me feel better. Not, not because of what you guys were saying, just knowing that you guys cared enough to even leave a comment. It just made me feel, you know, like I had all these people supporting me. So I just wanted to say, I'm going to (laughs) cry. No. So I just wanted to say thank you to every single person that left a comment. You have no idea. I read every single one. It means so much to me. And yeah, I just said, you know what? I'm going to film today. Jay was like, just film, you know, you got some time today, just film and get your mind off things. And yeah. So thanks again so much all your support guys you guys have no idea how much it means to me and i don't think i'll ever be able to explain how much it means to me when did i become such a sissy pants like who knows okay let's get into it me quen chong so she went by the english name deborah and i believe that's the name she preferred to use so deborah she was born in malaysia in 1954 She was originally from Kuala Lumpur and then she moved to London in 2004. She moved to the Wembley area in London and I believe she was part of a few churches before she settled down and was a member of the congregation at the Emmanuel Center Church in Edgware, North London. Deborah was very religious, she regularly attended church and she was known around her neighborhood. She was nice and friendly, she was known as one of those people who would stop you in the middle of the street if they saw you for like a chat. And she would also regularly visit neighbors and friends and invite them over for a cup of tea and a chat. Deborah was a widow and to avoid feeling lonely, she made many friends through her church and around her neighborhood. And she was known for her generosity and her kind soul. She would always offer a helping hand to anyone who she believed was struggling. Deborah did suffer from some of her own problems. She had some mental health issues and was diagnosed with schizophrenia and was on antipsychotic medication for this. Her condition led her to become infatuated and obsessed with Prince Charles. And she believed that they were in a relationship and they were communicating via YouTube videos. She had sent several letters to Prince Charles and Prime Minister Boris Johnson. I wasn't able to actually read the letters, but the letters were apparently so disturbing, I'm not sure if she made any threats in it, I'm not sure, but that in March, 2021, Deborah was referred by the Fixated Threat Assessment Center at Buckingham Palace to uh, the Brent Community Mental Health Center for evaluation and I mean, she must have sent enough letters for Buckingham Palace to actually take action. The centre she was referred to was so worried about her that they actually requested full-time care for Deborah. I'm not sure how things in London work, but if she was assessed by this community mental health centre and they, you know, are like, okay, she needs a full-time carer, isn't there a way for the community to provide that or does that not work like that over there? Because... Wouldn't she have to be committed if she needed a full-time carer? I'm not sure. Maybe because she wasn't willing to do it by herself. Deborah was known to be quite childlike and naive. She was the type of person that believed everyone should be nice to each other. She expected everyone to be like that. And if someone did something that she didn't agree with or something that wasn't right, she would be extremely disturbed by that. She would be super happy one moment and then completely flip the next moment and emotionally shut down. Friends say you couldn't even communicate with her. She would be off somewhere else and you're trying to communicate with her and then suddenly she would just like re-enter the room. In August of 2020, Deborah met a woman named Gemma Mitchell at her church. The two of them became friends quickly as they were deeply religious and had this in common. Gemma had learned of Deborah's struggles and had offered her help. She offered to lead her spiritually, to guide her through life and be her counselor. She would often hold healing sessions for Deborah in her garden. Gemma was born on 22nd July 1984 in Australia. She grew up in Australia because her mom worked here for the British Foreign Office. Her parents were originally from England, but they moved to Australia for work. And when her parents broke up, Gemma, her sister and her mom, they moved back to England. Gemma was very intelligent and she studied at King Edward's School in Whitley. In 2004, she went to the King's College in London to study a human science degree. She studied a course called Structural Basis of Human Functioning, during which she learned how to dissect the human body. She also undertook another module called Experimental Anatomy. She did so well in these courses that she was awarded the Hamilton Prize for Anatomical Excellence, and she graduated her degree with first-class honors. After this, she went on to study osteopathy And she actually set up a business in Australia before she moved back to England. In 2015, she returned back to England and she could not actually set up her osteopathy practice in England because she was not registered with the general osteopathic, Osteo, I can't say that word, osteopathic council. So because she was not registered with this council, I guess instead of registering, she just remained unemployed. And it seemed like not a big deal to her to be unemployed because she kind of came from an affluent family. and I say kinda you'll you'll understand why, but yeah, so her mom just supported her. So when she moved in with her mom and sister, they moved into this house. Now, this house had been owned by their family for generations, and it was worth over four million pounds. But despite it being worth so much, it wasn't in the best condition because it was so old. It needed extensive repairs. However, Gemma was a hoarder. Her home was a mess. And I find this kind of weird to put it just on Gemma because she lived with her mother and her sister. So if her home was a mess, that means they were all messy. The house was noted to be dilapidated and filthy. The rooms were filled with old and broken furniture. Some doors to some rooms couldn't even open because of how much crap was just jammed into it. Boxes of stuff everywhere. The freezer was filled with expired food. The kitchen had food just sitting there rotting on the counters. Half of the house had begun renovation, but then half of the house was missing. Seemed that they had begun construction, but then it was halted halfway the house needed a lot of work and I never understand how people live like this one person I get it but there were three people living in that house how do all three of you like where are you gonna make a sandwich if there's rotting food everywhere I just like sometimes I'm like I need to see it to believe it because sometimes news reports I'm like really were you really living in this house but then I've seen some shows where people really do live like this it's like wow now the information relating to Gemma is it's like they gave it, but they didn't go into detail. So they said that she was known to have a bad relationship with her sister because she had a conviction for breaching a non-molestation order relating to her sister and brother-in-law, right? And she was given a conditional discharge for the offense by Northwest London Magistrates Court. So I'm like, what? So she had a non-molestation order in relation to her sister and her brother-in-law and she breached it so in the uk a non-molestation order protects you and any relevant child from abuse or harassment so yeah so i guess i'm not sure if her sister had a child i'm not sure if her sister is the child i don't think so because she's older so it's just like looks not very clear but i guess she was harassing her sister and brother-in-law let's just rounded up to that and she breached it so she was convicted on that but she still lived with her sister I I didn't hear about any brother-in-law living with them, so who knows now Gemma she became obsessed with the bible and religion and demons in April 2018 Gemma attends a gathering for divine healing at a north london church when she's at this gathering she announces to the attendees that She wants to be exorcised of her demons. So she goes up to the pastor. He places his hand on her head, attempting to excise the demons. And Gemma begins to convulse and shake and she falls to the floor and she just begins bawling. And I guess she was healed. Then a couple of years later in August, 2020, Gemma meets Deborah, And like I said, they hit it off really well. Gemma was obsessed With demons and religion, and she felt that Deborah would be a good person for her to try and heal, to work her magic on. Deborah had told friends that she believed that Gemma was curing her, that they had spent a lot of time together, they had had a lot of sessions working on healing Deborah. Within a few weeks of meeting Deborah, Gemma began talking to Deborah about her financial situation. Deborah had owned her own home and Gemma had advised Deborah that she should sign over her home to Gemma to protect her, to avoid her family back in Malaysia having to deal with a large inheritance tax bill. During the same time, Gemma and her mother were in discussions about beginning renovations on their own home it was in a really bad condition but they believed that if they took on some extensive renovations and adding another floor to the house it was going to significantly improve its value the house was in really bad condition but they believed that if they undertook some extensive renovations and added another floor it was going to significantly increase its value Gemma and her mom had actually begun meeting with builders carrying out plans to conduct this renovation on their home but they were cheated out of £230,000 by two builders they had met and engaged to begin the renovations on their home. At this point Gemma had made a new friend Deborah who had owned her own home a home that was worth £700,000 which is about eight hundred fifty. pounds thousand usd and initially she had just asked deborah like just just sign over your home to me and i'm like how do people even ask people things like this i wouldn't ask a family member that has known me since birth for anything like this but Gemma, who knows deborah for weeks is like hey so you know that house the house that you live in you know the one that you've uh, worked really hard for paid the bills for decades you know taken care of yeah can i have it so freaking weird, like maybe because Deborah is older, maybe because she's mentally ill, she thought like, yeah, sweet, I'm just gonna trick her. But no, that didn't happen. But Deborah obviously was like, nah, you can't have my house. So Gemma was then like, okay, well, can I just borrow 200K? I desperately need to renovate my home and I need the money to renovate my home immediately. Surprisingly, initially, Deborah did agree to lend Gemma the $200,000 and let her renovate her home with this. And Gemma had actually promised Deborah that once her home was renovated, she was going to use it for Christian meetings and worship. And I believe that's why Deborah was like, okay, I'm gonna let you borrow this money. So the plan was set. Gemma was gonna use this borrowed two hundred k to renovate her home and finally have it fixed. But soon after, Thinking about it a little bit more, Deborah changed her mind. She told Gemma that, you know, even when you renovate this home, your family cannot afford to maintain the home. So why not just sell the home and live with the money from the sale? She sent a text message to Gemma reading as follows. Sell it. Enjoy the money. Life is too short. Enjoy the moment. Over the next few days, Gemma would repeatedly ask Deborah to let her borrow the money. She would call her, send her multiple text messages, and just would not quit. They had hundreds of text messages between the two of them, and they were very close. And Gemma was now trying to take advantage of their close relationship. Again, Deborah refused Gemma's repeated attempts. She sent a text message to Gemma saying, More construction will cost more money money you don't have. I mean, look, Deborah had every right to change her mind. She had no obligation to lend Gemma and her family this money just because they couldn't maintain their own home. I mean, a home doesn't just get that way, right? Like the people living in it have to dictate its condition. I really find this so weird how entitled people can be to other people's money. And this is exactly how Gemma acted. The relationship between the two of them began To deteriorate and this only happened because Gemma was so pushy about the money and Deborah's initial plan was always to leave her house to the homeless I believe she wanted the house to be sold and either the money to help the homeless help people or that she actually wanted to provide shelter for people struggling Gemma offered to help Deborah be her spiritual counselor but now she wasn't even talking to Deborah unless it was about the money And I believe she just kept harassing Deborah like every time she saw her or would constantly contact her about this. And later on 8th June 2021, Deborah sent a message to Gemma saying, Until you sold house, I won't want you to come to me or my house. I'm stressed to the core. Then on 11th June 2021, Deborah disappeared. This was really hard for people that knew Deborah to understand because. Deborah had a tough time walking on her own, and she had recently had a relapse of her mental health condition. So, she was also currently on antipsychotic medication. So, when she was nowhere to be found, her friends were really concerned about her well being. Deborah had a large home, and she frequently had lodgers staying with her in one room or another. That day, the lodger that was currently residing with Deborah became concerned when he couldn't find her. He knew of her mental health issues. So the next day on 12th June, he reported Deborah missing to the police. The use of CCTV in investigations is becoming increasingly prominent in the UK. It is estimated that there are over 900,000 CCTV cameras in London. One of these cameras captured Deborah's last known whereabouts. When she was walking near her home on Chaplin Road in Wembley. She was actually being accompanied by that same lodger that had reported her missing. She was struggling to walk, so he was accompanying her arm in arm, and that was the last time that he had seen her. Days had passed, and her friends were becoming more and more concerned because she wouldn't be able to go away by herself due to her declining mental health issues and her failing physical health. Then the lodger receives some information from Gemma. Gemma had told Deborah that she was actually returning home to Malaysia. She was planning to live in Malaysia for one year to just be with her family and clear her head. Gemma was then questioned by the police where she told them the same thing. She told them that Deborah was planning to be in Malaysia and she wanted to be somewhere close to the ocean because she was feeling depressed. But to do this, police found would be pretty unlikely because Deborah would have to fly to a whole nother country, pack her suitcase, go to the airport, get on a plane, all while being in pretty poor physical health. And also she didn't arrange Anything at her house. I mean, you don't just pick up and leave for a year leaving your large home where you've got lodgers and bills and you have to take care of a home, right? And you don't just leave a home like that. Plus, no one saw her leaving her home. She never mentioned leaving to anybody else apart from Gemma. She was never seen catching a taxi. There was no record of a taxi arriving at her home or her taking public transport, which She most likely wouldn't be able to do by herself anyway and most importantly there was no activity on her passport at the airport on 27th june 2021 a woman on vacation in the picturesque town of salcombe in devon came across the badly decomposed body of a female the female was decapitated and found with a church card and a Bible verse. The head was nowhere to be found. The police were called immediately and they searched the area for days and five days later, they found a head. The body was soon identified as 67-year-old Deborah Chong, Mi Quen. Due to the severity of the decomposition, The pathologist believed that the body had been there for several days, possibly two weeks, and they were unfortunately unable to determine a cause of death. But her body was found with several rib fractures and a fracture to the skull, but they knew nothing else. So now it was a murder investigation and the police spoke to all those that knew Deborah. They used the CCTV footage surrounding Deborah's home to try and figure out what happened. They soon focused on Gemma. They found out about Gemma and Deborah's relatively new relationship and how the relationship had turned sour after money was discussed. Three days after Deborah sent Gemma that message saying, don't contact me anymore until you sell your house, Deborah went missing. And this case is wild how it showed police, step by step, exactly, what happened on the morning of 11th, June, 2021 at 6 15 AM, Gemma is seen leaving her home in Williston. In this footage, Gemma is seen wearing a backpack and carrying a seemingly empty, large blue suitcase. She is wearing a hat and what looks like a scarf around her neck. Then at 6 40 AM, the scarf and the backpack are gone. It's assumed they're most likely in the empty suitcase. She's now wearing a face mask and she's making her way to Deborah's house. At 7.56 a.m., CCTV footage captures her once again and this time her hat is off but she's still making her way to Deborah's house. So this seems like it's nearly a two-hour walk. Five hours later at 12.59 p.m., she emerges from Deborah's house, this time carrying two suitcases, both looking much heavier. Gemma drags these bags around for over two hours before she takes a taxi for the 40-minute trip home. Within that period, she had contacted taxi companies nine different times to be picked up. CCTV footage then captures Gemma taking these two heavier suitcases into her house. Later that same evening, Gemma arrives at the St. Thomas Hospital, to be treated for a broken finger. She tells doctors that she broke it while shutting it on a door. After police had set their sights on Gemma, they had tried to contact her a few times, but she missed all their calls, and she ends up leaving a voicemail for the police that went as follows. I tried to return your call yesterday. I was getting in touch to let you know that Deborah said she was planning to stay with friends near her sister's family on the coast. She said she felt neglected on 7th June and wanted to leave. Then footage shows that on 26th June 2021, Gemma rents a car. She drives 200 miles or 321 kilometers to Salcombe. This time she just takes one blue suitcase with her. She had left her own phone at home, but she did take a cell phone with her, a dead neighbor's cell phone, which I'm assuming she stole, um, and she did this to avoid being tracked. 41 minutes after arriving in Salcombe, Gemma is seen driving back home. Then on her way home, she stops at a service repair station because one of her tires had burst. The repairman stated that Gemma did not allow him to open the trunk of the car and that there was a musty smell coming from the car. When Gemma returned home after getting this tire fixed, she returns the rental car but then she takes that extra blue suitcase, you know, the second one she had, and she threw it on top of a neighbor's shed. Using all this CCTV footage on July 6th, just before midnight, police literally broke down Gemma's door. She is seen on the police body cam looking so confused as they are telling her she's being arrested for murder. To be honest, she kind of just looks like, oh yeah, we're going, okay, cool. She doesn't seem to really understand what's going on. She's also seen smiling in her mugshot. I mean, we already know what was in that suitcase, but it was later confirmed that Deborah's body had in fact been placed in that suitcase and all her personal and financial documents Replaced placed in the second suitcase. Documents that Gemma could use for her financial gain. When police searched Gemma's house, they found the documents she stole from Deborah in her house, together with documents of that deceased neighbor, you know, the phone that she had used to take with her to Salcombe. Now, Gemma's plan was to use these documents to forge a will of Deborah's to leave 95% of Deborah's £700,000 estate to Gemma. The purpose of that deceased neighbor's documents, well, that was to be used as a witness to the will of Deborah's supposed will that she was leaving everything to Gemma. Now, they interviewed Gemma after her arrest, but her response to every single question was no comment. The detective was like, the car stunk of dead body, didn't it? and Gemma's like, no comment. She literally refused to give any statement or her version of events. On 11th October, 2022, Gemma's trial began. It took place in courtroom 12 at the Old Bailey and Gemma pled not guilty to murder. The defense really relied heavily on the lack of DNA linking Gemma to Deborah's murder, as well as the fact that there were no signs of struggle found inside Deborah's home. The prosecution claimed that the injuries found on Deborah's body were consistent with being pushed onto furniture or possibly being hit with a weapon, but there was no weapon found. The multiple rib fractures found on Deborah's body could have come from either being stuffed inside that suitcase that Gemma was seen wheeling around everywhere, or possibly during resuscitation attempts. Gemma's mother, Hilary Collard, was appalled at this accusation that Gemma was facing. She stated that when she looked inside these suitcases, they were filled with other things. And the items that she found inside the suitcase were all innocent things like crockery, cutlery, tea towels, heavy saucepans. These were all heavy things. She stated that her daughter, Gemma, was not a killer and she did not commit this crime. Prosecutors stated they could only speculate what Gemma had done with Deborah's body for the two weeks she had her inside that suitcase in her home. I mean, nobody would have even noticed a smell if the house was so falling apart, filled with rotten food, you know. The smell could have been coming from the kitchen. Police believe that on 11th June Gemma went to Deborah's house, killed her, decapitated her, and then stuffed her body into the suitcase she had brought with her. They believe she then stole all of Deborah's financial documents and stuffed it into a second suitcase before returning home with these two bags. She then stored the remains in her home for two weeks before driving to Salcombe in that rental car and disposing of her body. Gemma's knowledge of human dissection supported this theory. She had the skills to do so. The reason for decapitation was not found. The motivation for Gemma was money and after Deborah refused to discuss the money anymore, Gemma was infuriated. She showed a significant degree of planning and calculation as she attempted to cover up her horrific actions. And CCTV footage backs this theory up. Deborah's family member gave a victim impact statement stating that they don't even know how Deborah died and whether she suffered. She was vulnerable and generous and taken advantage of by a greedy woman. On 27th, October, 2022, After seven hours of deliberation, the jury found Gemma Mitchell guilty of the murder of Mi Quen Deborah Chong. Gemma was sentenced to serve life imprisonment with a minimum of 34 years behind bars. The case was also historic because Gemma's sentencing was the first to be broadcast live on national TV. It is only the second time that cameras were allowed into the English Crown Court to record a sentencing. And that's that. Again, I can't help but think how people just believe they have a right to certain things in life. Like in this world, they just feel so privileged by certain things. It's wild. I don't know much about Deborah's history, you know, her time with her husband. But clearly for them to have this house that was worth so much money that, she was so generous with her time and her money. Clearly she was, you know, doing well. And you just don't get those things by sitting in your house all day, like by asking other people for handouts. You get that by working hard. And here is Gemma who just chose to be unemployed, even though she had, you know, a pretty good, pretty good, a very good, you know, what do you call it, like career background. Instead of going and applying to the freaking council, just freaking taking a little bit of time to put effort back into her career she could have had a good career had made enough money to pay for renovations but she just chose not to so deborah needed to pay for the renovations of her house you know what i mean like the entitlement is just wild and if Gemma got away with it don't you guys think she would most likely do this again let me know your thoughts down in the comments below guys i appreciate you so much and i will see you in next week's video besitos Bye.